0: Dear friends, reports of an armed militia at the Capitol were just coming in as I was ineptly trying to iron out all the tech stuff. Nothing was going right like it did at practice. And, well, it's no excuse, but I regret to inform you that I neglected to push the record button during our epic festival, Jones Epiphany. What Joan of Arc Calls For Today, featuring the premiere of Nancy Poore's magnum opus, Joan of Arc, Her Gifts for Our Time. But the good news is that you can still watch the amazing film on YouTube. But Nancy's beautiful remarks and the the many inspiring comments from participants, as well as the the powerful eurythmy Session, are only inscribed in the ethers. Luckily, Lucian did not want his singing through Joan of Arc passage recorded, so so that was all good. Yeah, I'm I'm so sorry. I I really should have tried harder to get a tech assistant. And friends out there, if you have experience running Zoom and would like to team up, please give me a call. I, I could use a little help here. Yeah, and needless to say, I woke up to many emails from folks who were called away from our offering, compelled with disgust to follow what was unfolding with the violent mob of white men that stormed the Capitol. Yeah, and you, of course, were looking forward to the recording. So, well, I I can't give you a replay of our festival, which was, interestingly enough, acting, I feel, as a counterforce to that mob of bullies waving the Confederate flag. I I can share the thoughts on what Joan of Arc calls for today that I offered and give a sort of transcript of our event. So, yeah, I began, people gathered, and uh, I began by thanking the festival's committee, you know, for making it possible to even meet in the Elderberry space which was difficult because the heating system went down in the August tornado. So folks had to labor to put up tarps and bring in space heaters so that we could gather where Lucian's amazing tapestry hangs. The piece is integral to his artistic offering. It literally is the passage which he sings through to Joan. So yeah, folks gathered and, and I opened the space with with a prayer that Steiner gave in Berlin, January 1915, around Epiphany, Joan of Arc's birthday, dedicated to those who were fighting and dying in the First World War, which was just then really heating up. And, you know, at that time, every one of Steiner's lectures had an opening and closing verse devoted, especially to those sacrificed young souls who we're crossing the threshold in droves at that time. And so let us offer it again today in remembrance of their sacrifice, as well as acknowledging those that are crossing the threshold now as spiritual warriors. Out of courage shown in battle, out of the blood shed in war, out of the grief of those who are left, Out of the people's deeds of sacrifice, spirit fruits will come to grow if souls with knowledge of the spirit turn their mind to spirit realms. Yes, this is our work today, dear friends, to turn our minds to spirit realms. Anthroposophy tells us that it can often be the karma of those that die before they reach the age of 72 to offer up their unused etheric forces to help fortify human evolution. And as Nancy mentioned during our planning call the other day, Steiner says, don't waste it. Yeah, so for me, that was, you know, one of the the particular reasons why we have chosen to work with the energies of Joan of Arc here at the branch since Michaelmas. And Nancy Jewel Poor, who has worn many hats Waldorf educator, home death consultant, writer, life coach, and filmmaker to name but a few has been working with the energy of Joan, Joan of Arc for many years. <clears throat> and somehow Daddy's Old mentioned to Nancy that you know, we had dedicated our Michaelmas festival to Joan and that we plan to go deeper with this work for our epiphany festival. And Nancy was very enthusiastic about this idea. So I asked her if she, you know, wanted to bring something. Well, she immediately said yes and began her systematic research, gathering images and quotes from Joan's trial. And then with her team, Joseph and Kai, out there at White Feather Ranch in the beautiful Sierra foothills. They worked tirelessly throughout the entire Holy Nights, laboring long hours to artistically render the life story of this amazing Michaelic warrior in a film. Again, we have the link, You you can see it. So Yeah, Nancy acknowledged her team and said a few words before we streamed the video. And uh, you can find the link, which I'll continue to send out there. It's, It's so beautiful. And then afterwards, many folks made comments and asked questions. So many striking thoughts shared in the chat. And then I went on to speak about epiphany which is often defined as a sudden intuitive insight into the essential meaning of reality. Well, We can certainly say Joan of Arc had an epiphany, a revelation, a call to duty. Epiphanies also often described in relation to the appearance or manifestation of a deity, which we of course know was the case with Joan. And in the festival year, epiphany, is also called Three Kings Day, the adoration of the Magi. When, after following the star of Bethlehem, the students of Zarathustra bring their gifts to their reincarnated teacher. And how interesting that this year we got to follow Jupiter and Saturn, our Christmas star, shining, hopefully, some insights into our vision of 2020. And, We must also remember what the Eastern Orthodox still hold dear, the occult truth that Epiphany commemorates the manifestation of Christ at the baptism in the Jordan, the birth of the cosmic being of love on earth, a mighty moment in time, a seed that we still need to nurture and unfold, that we must strive to, you know, even understand and and live into. You know, it's interesting. I learned the other day that uh, Greta Thunberg, uh, another truly Michaelic soul, was born on January 3rd, just three days before Epiphany, on the ninth holy night, which if you're following the path from Jesus to Christ, as I do during the holy night's, brings us into the realm of the cherubim, who we see holding the flaming sword, guarding the threshold to the garden of paradise. So that's interesting. But what I was called to bring today was inspired by what Rudolf Steiner says in The Destinies of Individuals and of Nations. That's quite quite an interesting topic. But specifically the fifth lecture, which is called The Nature of the Christ Impulse and the Michaelic Spirit Serving It, which is where our opening verse came from, and is all about reversal events in connection between Joan of Arc's deed and the start of the First World War. So Steiner gave the lecture in Berlin, in January 1915, 501 years after Joan of Arc's auspicious birth, right at the start of what has been called the Great War. Yeah, it just it made a deep impression on me. I, you know, I've been thinking about it since Michaelmas, and I I hope that it moves you to action as it did me. For I've felt called to ask myself, what is the true mission? of the Maid of Orleans. Which leads me to ask, what is our mission as anthroposophers? Or even better, what is the task of humanity at this time? And how does it relate to Joan of Arc's deed? Janine, or Joan, is the feminine form of Johannes, or John, which is in the case of John the Baptist, and St. John the Divine, a title, a title of initiation. So right there, we have a, a mighty clue. And Steiner tells us that the powers working through her directed her to battle against the inflammatory luciferic forces of deception prevailing in humanity at that special time. This was right before the beginning of the consciousness soul age. Yeah, Steiner indicates that this began a year after Joan's birth in 1413. And it was interesting, during the call, we actually talked about how the Knights Templars were burned at the stake 100 years earlier in 1314. So looking closely here, we we must consider the reversal of the numbers from 1314 to 1413. And this burning at the stake. Hmm. Yeah, obviously a topic for another talk, but important to contemplate in regard to Joan's mission. And as Nancy's film so beautifully shows, Joan of Arc, with the aid of Michael and his helpers, St. Catherine and St. Margaret, was able to vanquish the seductive Luciferic forces which were vying to prevent this shift in human consciousness, right? There was a transition point happening, right? And so whenever there's a a transition, whenever there's a shift about to happen in in evolution, it's a a time where the adversarial powers, you know, try to come in. So so Steiner describes the miracle of her birth and how she went through a sort of pre-earthly initiation during the potent time of the 13 Holy nights incarnating on Epiphany the day the Christ came into a human being at the baptism. And we can also point to her equally auspicious death. Yes, yes, it was gruesome. She endured so much, not unlike the Templars and the sacrifice of the Christ. And in her case, it occurred because all the selfish Luciferic forces of her enemies joined together to bring about her death by fire. At her witch trial, she said that within seven years after her death, quote, the English would meet with a much greater reversal of fortune than any they had known before. We see here that the soul of Joan of Arc continued working across the threshold to shape these events after her death, that what the spiritual powers want to bring about will occur, whatever the external conditions may be. She was inspired into on earth by the spiritual powers for seven years, and then after seven years of of her working from the spiritual world, the reversal of fortune came. For, for for England. And we have to remember that there are many great individualities that are working with us right now from across the threshold. So yeah, the maid's adversaries were able to bring about her death, but they were not able to prevent her mission. And this, this reminds me of the mission of Casper Hauser, and it would be interesting to investigate these connections. So, the power behind the will of the Maid of Orleans, the forces of Michael, they're still working against the immoral Luciferic forces that rage in the world. And, dear friends, it's obvious that we are also having to deal with hostile forces in our time, but nowadays, the selfish, vain, inflaming forces have teamed up with the hardening, materialistic forces of Araman that have been building up since the Industrial Age. These forces, you know, they're in evidence everywhere, especially if we turn our attention to the, you know, not only the all-pervasive electronic or mechanical element, but also through what, uh, Ann Dale called during our Holy Night study the black mirror, right? I'm looking into the screen right now, cyberspace, right? Which can be a destructive shrouding for the reappearance of the Christ in the etheric realm. If we are not awake and consciously consecrating this medium in the name of Christ, awakening to the presence of Christ in the realm of formative forces is our calling, our mission, for our time. If we remain unconscious of these forces, the, the elemental beings behind every sense impression become enslaved by Lucifer or Aramon. Yes, friends, spiritual science tells us that if we don't meet the spirit behind what we take into ourselves through our sense impressions, if we we don't meet the world with reverence and wonder, with gratitude and awe, if we're just going about habitually, unconsciously gulping it all up like junk food, then we are feeding the dragon within, which seeks to stupefy us, keeping us, from fulfilling our divine mission of releasing these elemental forces that can then help us to develop new spiritual organs to perceive and receive the etheric Christ. This really resonates to what Lucian Dante Lazar was speaking to in regards to developing the etheric heart. And Because that was the prompt of our our social sculpture after his singing through Joan of Arc passage. I'm sorry, you you can, we didn't get to do that right now, but uh, maybe you can envision this this idea of the the forces flowing from a, a new chamber of the heart. Otherwise, these inflaming and sclerotic forces are what are making us sick, and they influence our entire earthly life laying the groundwork for societal effects like pandemics and creating the the fear-based events happening now all over the globe. Yeah, you know, it was some brilliant person. I wish I knew who it was and if if you're listening to this and please let me know your name because on the call you likened this to how in Jones' time the bishops of the church were given complete authority over human beings. And how we can liken this to how the modern materialistic scientists running the pandemic now are the new bishops controlling reality in our time. Do you see how these two forces are working together to inflame our anxiety? or in the case of the proud boys inflame the false ego which then makes us run into the arms of blind control or to take up guns and seek to take control okay i know this is a lot but it's <clears throat> this is really just the, the the groundwork for me to talk about the reversal events in connection between Joan of arc's deed and the start of the First World War, from the lecture that I mentioned earlier. So there, Steiner talks about how a sort of denial of the buildup of the First World War had been present for a really long time in the astral world, but it was held back by something that was also astral. It was held back by fear and doubt and hatred held in the feeling life of human beings. So these negative astral forces were able to hold the war back to prevent it for a while, Steiner says. At first, a fearful denial was able to stop war from breaking out. But then, with the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria, there emerged a reversal event. This recalls the words from Joan of Arc the English would meet with a much greater reversal than any they had known before. So yeah, he quotes those words of Joan. So you see that in that case of Joan's time, the selfish Luciferic forces, which Joan was able to hold back for a time, made a reversal and came back to destroy the English after her death that her sacrifice was what tipped the scales for this to happen. And in this case of the World War, all the elements of fear from the Aramonic powers began to gather around the sacrificed soul of the Archduke, creating a focal point. He calls it a tear at the threshold. Yeah, I know it's it's hard to think about this, but we know that anything that has a specific character on the physical plane will have the opposite character in the spiritual world, that everything's reversed. An element that had a blocking effect, keeping the First World War at bay, was now acting in the opposite way as a spur, an incitement to war. So we see that a flip of the elements of fear, of the deceiving Aramonic elements, became a catalyst for war which now, a hundred years later, has led to the events of our present age, where there is constant war in all realms of society. Which we are seeing as we speak in this armed mob, somehow moving past the police to smash into the U.S. Capitol to prevent Congress from certifying President-elect Joe Biden's victory where they then spent several hours inside the building vandalizing offices and and the house floor. Unbelievable. Friends, we know that there are powerful energies at any point of transition. And this is such a point. We are at a point of transition right now, right? It's obvious. Will we step in? with our positive energies demanding change, bringing goodwill into focus. A transition, especially at the gate of birth and death, is a powerful yet vulnerable time. When we send positive thoughts to meet that threshold, these energies become healing forces. But there are those in what Steiner calls the, quote, dark brotherhoods who seek to harness that power for destructive purposes. We have to be awake to these things. I I mourn for those folks who are dying all alone in the locked down nursing homes without friends, without family, without human touch, without the possibility of the three-day vigil what is happening for their souls. But fear not, dear friends, because Standard tells us that when we name and recognize what is happening in the physical realm, we can reverse it in the spiritual realm. We cannot, we must not deny these materialistic harmonic elements. We, we, We must cultivate the forces to purify our astral body so the inflaming, vainglory, luciferic elements don't inflate our false ego or make us want to escape. We must bring our focus to the adversarial forces, which are meant to strengthen us. We must develop the courage of Michael to see it as something that is necessary in our time, something that has to be present so that we can learn to reverse it through our heart thinking, transforming these forces through love. We have to be the ones to reverse it. When we're awake and able to recognize what the adversarial powers are doing in the world, it is our job to reverse it. We are the ones we've been waiting for. And as Joan said, I was born for this. We were born for this. And we are not alone. Many people said that on the call. We are born for this. The question is, yeah, how do we make it possible for the divine spiritual forces, the the ever-present help of the spiritual world to enter into our actions, without seeking to run away and hide, without pulling the covers over our head or sleeping through this opportunity, without blindly following the materialistic narrative. How do we offer conscious resistance to this deceptive Aramonic element in our age, the way resistance was offered to the Luciferic element at the time of Joan of Arc? The antidote dear friends, is building thought forms that forge a path forward towards a spiritualization of human culture. We must cultivate our ability to form ideas and concepts into a thinking will for good, a heart thinking, activating the cultural sphere. This is what the festival life does so beautifully. It helps us spiritualize human relationships through art and science and education and spirituality to bring spirit to matter and matter to spirit. And that's what the Holy Nights are all about, right? Can we bring that that sacred time into the everyday? This then creates a true unselfish freedom, that we need in order to enter into a true sister brotherhood with equity. Yeah, this is the prerequisite foundation needed to manifest the threefold social organism, which we can only do if we stop listening to the prejudices and propaganda currently pounding us deeper into false narratives, a voice that speaks loudly at times, or can be the faintest of whisper, whispers from the dragon within. I, you know, I, I have to admit that part of me was, again, I, you know, I don't think excited is the right word. I, I think, I feel it was more like call to be awake when I heard that during our Jones Epiphany Festival, people were storming the Capitol hey, we need a revolution. I, I only wish it wasn't fueled by selfish, luciferic forces working through the inflamed egos of madmen with Confederate flags and machine guns. If it had been peaceful protesters calling on Colombia, the spirit of America, seeking to free the children locked in cages, they would have been shot dead on the steps. If people were asking for hey, an an open, unbiased, scientific uh, examination of the current corona crisis demanding we follow the money, they would have been shot dead on the steps. Or, Or if black people demanding justice and a stop to systematic racism, they would have been shot dead on the steps. Friends, the only revolution that can work is a complete revolution in our thinking feeling, and willing. Otherwise, we're just being played between these two adversarial forces. We can generate the great strength that we need to offer a conscious resistance to these inflaming and hardening forces by approaching the spirit, not only through the inner powers of revelation and faith, like in the case of Joan of Arc, but by concentrating our powers of understanding on what spiritual science has to give, starting, hello, with common sense, which gives us the moral foundation that opens us to divinely inspired wisdom, filling us with light. And when we take hold of ourselves with this attitude, we can consciously work with what Michael, the spirit of our age, has to give us now in our time. Meeting every test and trial with a conscious heart thinking, motivated by the wisdom of love. In the opening verse, Steiner reminds us, Spirit fruits will come to grow if souls with knowledge of the spirit turn their mind to spirit realms. And so, dear friends, as we remember the deeds of Joan of Arc, especially during this season of Epiphany, we're also reminded of our current task, to name and tame the modern beasts, to take our will forces in hand, to flip evil on its head, to reverse it so that it serves the good. Like dear Greta Thunberg and many, many people, young and old, who have dedicated themselves to be spiritual warriors for peace and the light of truth. See you in the 1010. Blessings, dear ones, and thank you for being part of this spiritual revolution.